Hey AfterBuzzers, welcome to an all new Twin Peaks After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. Tonight we're going to be breaking down season three, parts three and four. And we have Lex here who is basically doing the sign language, you know, and next to me. We have so much to talk about. We have a little bit of extra time for you guys, so stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV super fan discussion AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Again, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into our Twin Peaks After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Sam Davidson. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SamD43. I'm joined by this guy right here. Introduce yourself so let us know we can find you on social media. I got it. I'm feeling it. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. And I am Michael Shirley. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Michael X Shirley. Hi, and I'm Lisa Mason Lee. You can find me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. And of course, guys, don't forget to follow AfterBuzz TV at AfterBuzz TV on all social media platforms. Use the hashtag ABTVTwinPeaks or just tweet at us. We love talking about it. We love hearing all of your comments. And we're also, of course, Lisa's in the live chat. So keep on chatting because we need as many brains. (laughs) Get it? Brains? You know? The the tree brain? No? Pun intended. So literally, let us know everything you think because I think the more we talk about it, the more we will understand it. I just want to say I think that the show is going to continue to get better and like I thought the fourth one was the best oh yes it yes. finally kind of clicked for me yes what did you guys think hmm. clicking <laughs> well I don't know uh, it was like a really light click it was like it eh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, you should just give up, quit trying to figure out David Lynch. But I disagree with that. I feel like there's a lot to analyze and a lot to decipher. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of it's just going to be kind of like just out there, but a lot of it's going to be leading us to these like these little Easter eggs. There's so many definitely there. But I felt like I was watching almost like a totally different show until like the last half of the fourth episode so I really started to get into it like when Bobby comes in and he sees the picture the music starts playing and it's like I'm here we're back yes yes Yes. I agree what about you Lex oh god you guys I am I'm so happy I uh so I was not very patient we did this show last week and I went straight home and I watched episodes three and four (laughs) and and then I watched all four episodes again over the course of the week before we came in um it What I find really interesting about these four episodes is David Lynch has talked about and Mark Frost has talked about. I think everybody has commented on how this was designed as one big 18 hour movie. And you hear that all the time when when uh, shows like Netflix shows where they release a whole season all at once, this binge model. Well, it's designed. We designed it as a 13 hour movie and it's designed very much for binging. You're supposed to just watch it over two days or so. What I find really interesting is that this show that we're now we got four episodes, but we're getting doled out a week at once seems so much more exactly what the binge model is designed to be than a lot of what we get when the intention seems to be watch it over two days. This does feel like the first four hours of one complete story as opposed to four pieces. Right. I feel like it absolutely was intended for at least us to have the first four episodes at once because I think people might have gotten a little frustrated if it was just we, if we didn't get to this point until week four, <laughs> I wanted to ask actually, you guys, do you know anyone who's watching this revival that has not seen a frame of Twin Peaks classic? Yes. And if so, how is this 
playing for them because I'm over the moon, but I can't imagine what this is like if you don't know Peaks at all. I think that people are just so confused if they're doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a friend that went to the premiere and she watched the first and second episode and she was lost. She said, well, I didn't see the original series, so I have no idea what's going on. My manager totally is the same way. He's like, I need to like watch what you're, the show you're on. And he's like, the show? I don't like it. It's so <laughs> confusing. Well, I feel like there will be a bigger payoff. And I think one of those things is the opening of part three, right? So we see Cooper with the woman in the red dress with... Uh, no eyes. No eyes. And we don't exactly know if she is connected to Josie. But there have been some fan theories that she possibly is. Not just because she's Asian, you know, it's... It's because she's Asian. I got major... What are the other no, reasons? I got major Jody vibes from her. Like, because you think about jo Josie is stuck in this doorknob, and that woman can't see or really interact with anything. I feel like there's some sort of similarity there. And we were also talking about Judy. So for you guys out there that have not checked out the story online, Joan Chen... Oh boy. Oh, she. This was it. You're referring to the letter that she wrote. Yeah, right? she wrote an yes. open letter to David, to David Lynch as her character, mm -hmm. and she refers to her twin sister, Judy, Judy in the letter. But and, and she had mentioned to you earlier that when in Firewalk with Me, Philip Jeffries is asked about Judy, yes, he famously, says, we will not talk about Judy. Right, we're not going to talk about Judy at all. But yeah. the other thing is that her name in the cast, this lady that has no eyes, is Nato. So that's not Judy. Huh. It's, it's not Josie. Yeah, I have it written down because Lisa told me as we got in and I was like, oh, Nato. Okay. I wanted to Google what Nato means and for some reason it actually sounds familiar And per, per your spelling here on your note, it's N-A-I-D-O. Is that? What, I think so. I yeah, tried. Yeah. I tried it back when I thought Odin, like the you know the Greek. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a that's a really great one. Well, let's get into what happened. So Cooper is falling through space, essentially, and I'm thinking, is he falling through space and time? And it was this entire thing, but it also was a great Fire Walk with Me reference because Donna asked Laura in Fire Walk with Me, "Do you think that if you were falling in space, that you would slow down for a while or go faster and faster?" And Laura answers, "Faster and faster, and for a long time you wouldn't feel anything, and then you'd burst into fire forever, and the angels wouldn't help you because they've all gone away." I don't think that that was like an accident that they had that entire thing there because I mean there have been so many articles interviews that this is more tied to fire walk with me essentially than it even was to the original show maybe that's David Lynch's response to uh, Joan Chin's letter yeah <laughs> <laughs> all through forever and ever going faster and faster until you burst into flames. Oh. yeah he's like I'm not really sure um okay so then he let's see his fall through space leads him into what is a purple-hued sewer, and he looks over a vast body of calm water, perhaps the river sky, and then pushes his way through two glass doors into a room of something like the inside of a lighthouse. On the other side, a switchboard of a panel. This is all so confusing and dreamlike. We've talked about this uh, outside of the show. I think David Lynch has dreams, as we all do. There's some people that remember them. There's some that don't remember them. But we're interpreting his dreams is sometimes how I feel with this show. It's symbolic, but doesn't make any sense. Agreed. Do you guys 
What do you guys think, though, about the symbolism of how he was falling, you know, what, and he was climbing up the ladder, this entire thing, like, what could that be symbolic to? Well. He didn't burst into fire like she did. No, he didn't. So, I don't know. I really don't, I don't, I don't think I can pull anything from that. Well, can we continue on and talk about this scene where he comes back down the ladder and who yes. we see on the couch? We see Ronette Pulaski. Well, wait, before we do that. Oh, there's yeah, there's something worth hitting before Major we even get there. Garland oh, Briggs. Oh, my God. The floating, Sorry. The floating Sorry, Major yes. Briggs head. Yes. Oh, I loved that. And he says, another fire walk with me reference, but he's floating in front of him and he says Blue Rose. Mm-hmm. And in Fire Walk With Me, that was the code that was used for a plot, a Project Blue Book, a government-run investigation of CFOs. Yes. UFOs. It, CFOs. That would be funny. Classified flying objects? Sure. Not, an official, not an official acronym, but you why hear, not? You yeah. hear it again in the episode when Albert says it. And yes. they're doing all the FBI stuff. And we know, and it tracks, we know per Firewalk With Me that only agents of a certain clearance level are allowed mm-hmm. to know about the Blue Rose cases. That's why Chet Desmond couldn't tell Sam Stanley what the Blue Rose meant. That's why they send Tammy Preston into the restaurant while they have this conversation. <laughs> the The cameo of the late Don Davis as the big floating head of Major Briggs is the closest I can come to unlocking an interpretation of this scene because at the end of the episode two the doppelganger of the evolution of the arms for the electric sycamore but with the yellower head yells at him he's like non-existent (laughs) and then Dale falls through the floor and I I read that as maybe this, this doppelganger of the tree trying to wipe out the the actual Dale Cooper from existence, and now Dale is essentially falling through reality. It seems like a big tear in reality. So maybe Dale Cooper, and again, this is me just wildly spinning, but somebody who's clearly tied into this spiritual mythology in some way, something maybe grabbed him and pulled him to where he needed to be, and I think it's telling that he sees the vision of Major Briggs, who, if you check out Secret History of Twin Peaks, you come to learn was very involved in investigating extra-planetary, extra-dimensional presences in the woods around Twin Peaks. Can I say, can I ask, when you guys watched it, Twin Peaks, first time around, did you think aliens, UFOs, is that, did that come into your, okay, I'm sorry, is that politically incorrect to say aliens? (laughs) (laughs) Extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial beings. Uh, Did you guys think at all that that was what was happening, or did it take, you know, you read the book, and then all these other things came to be? I don't feel like they developed that very much in the first and second season. Like, they touched upon it a little bit. But not like they are now. I feel like they're starting to go there with the box. And go ahead. It's like the X Files. Yeah, they address lightly a couple of times in the, especially the back half of the first season. You, there's a red room sequence where you see a silhouette of what looks like a triangular spacecraft, but it's not. Nobody looks at it. Nobody draws attention to it. It's just in the background of one of the scenes. And then Major Briggs talks about being involved with Project Blue Book, which is very famously. Uh, intended to research extraterrestrial presences. I thought something supernatural was in the woods because they right. always said like the woods has always been run by like this dark yes. presence the or whatever. The owls are not what they seem. Yeah, and so I didn't I never really thought aliens until we moved further mm-hmm. and you find out that he, you know, works, you know, taking these numbered signals from outer space, you I know. will say that I think I thought that. I did. I thought that. I was 
thinking aliens. For me, when something is confusing, I go <laughs> the craziest thing I can think of. And half the time, I'm right. <laughs> I'm always hoping it's aliens. When I find one of those stories, I'm like, what's going on here? Can I explain this immediately? No. Aliens, please. Please. Yeah, it would just make sense. But then we get Renette Polanski, right? Ugh. Yeah, in the credits, it, it is Phoebe Augustine who played Renette Polanski. Yes. She's credited as American, American Girl. Girl. Yeah. But obviously they wouldn't hire the same actress. Yes. Or just to, hey, let me, let me give you a part because you were in the show once upon a time. I think that's probably just to, like, that's like a little Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've yeah. watched it before, and you again, know, I know her. And then if you, you read that, it's, I don't know. Especially think, Fire Walk With Me. She is a yeah, way yeah. bigger yeah, part. Really yeah, really big part. But so there's something in this scene, because she's got the digital watch. There's something in this scene. Right, okay, you have it in your notes, too. So... 253? These first few episodes, we're getting references to specific numbers multiple times. So, all right, check this out. I, I wrote this down. Like people on people on Reddit are crazy smart, and they're probably smarter. Than, <laughs> so I should stay off of Reddit because they're going to accidentally spoil the show for me by theorizing. Well, they like you, Lex. Go on. The, no. <laughs> no. Stop. Lex Stick. is just getting so much love today. Just continue to say it. gets on Reddit. I mean, go I love, for it. Let's I love, hear it. I love Peaks. I'm taking all the love and I'm pouring it back into Peaks. I love kids. Reddit. So check this out. The giant tells Agent Cooper to look out for 430. But the arm, the tree, uh, he says to Cooper, he says 253 time and time again. And so when he sees this girl who looks like Ronna Pulaski has the digital watch... The time on her watch, when we see it, reads 2.53. And then apparently, and I've got to go and rewatch this to confirm this, but when um, when the Darkdale, the doppelganger, is driving his car shortly before he barfs up all mm-hmm. that Garmambosia, apparently the clock in the car reads at the same time as well. Yes. I think that's a great reference, and I definitely think that it's going to be coming back to that. I'm just going to give a, a really quick shout-out to Wizard of Oz. I feel like <laughs> David Lynch was giving so many Wizard of Oz references throughout these past two episodes, and probably the first two, That if you dig deeper. But it's the thing with the shoes. You know, a shoes... I like, hadn't I didn't know thought about the shoes, too, but I hadn't thought about the Wizard of Oz reference, which makes sense. We know, because of Wild at Heart, that Lynch loves Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, but the shoes, so, and we're, all right, we're, we're going to jump into this this next room, right, with the electric portals that he travels through? Yes. So what do you guys think exactly happened there? Because we were talking about it a little beforehand. <laughs> we we have no idea, obviously. But we were, you know, we see him and the lady in the red dress with no eyes, and she basically gets electrocuted away, you know. And, you know, Dale's a nice dude. He feels bad for a second. He's like, there's nothing yeah. I can really do. Eh, <laughs> let me just not. Eh, bye. <laughs> but after that, there's all these things that starts happening. So he gets thrown into our world. But it's through very interesting uh, A wall forms. socket, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Why all not? electricity. So I saw it as, okay, I saw it as potentially a TV with an antenna. And it I was kind of a meta thing. With, like, the numbers that were above the little wall sockets. I kept seeing, like, a hotel and kept thinking, you know, back Right, to... but before he jumped, he, when he's still in space and she flies away. Yeah. I kind of thought it was a meta situation that we're watching TV and he's going through something with an antenna. 
And I think I'm probably wrong, but it's one of those things I'm sure David Lynch would love to hear that I'm interpreting it that way. What I love is like there's there was that EW article that we passed around via email mm-hmm. where he talked about the first few episodes. And I think one of the questions was about the glass box and about like, was it was this meant to be a metaphor or a commentary on how audiences approach TV? And David Lynch's answer in the interview was, well, no, but... <laughs> But if but if you see that, then that's great. Yeah. But but also, if that was his intention, I think David Lynch is the very last person who would tell you as much. Yeah, and maybe I I mean maybe he doesn't even know, and he goes, "My <laughs> art will tell itself. Yeah, I mean, it'll he makes give like you the answers." Ham and tar paintings. You know, there's nothing. Sometimes I feel like what he does is not necessarily meant to be understood it's more just pointing out the weird strange things that we like sit through the awkward things we see in stores you know Mm -hmm. just in daily life yeah and i will say as a journalist i have fully enjoyed the interviews with david lynch because they're hilarious he's such a swell guy and he he's a a swell guy and he doesn't give away anything and he just seems like the most interesting coolest person no in that same in that same ew interview uh he was being asked direct questions about the show and he diverges into i'm gonna draw you this table i'm building instead (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, that was a pretty cool table description huh he's got a he's got a a thing for tissues and then a little bigger thing for a (laughs) wine bottle right there it's got electricity it's the best table there could be yeah so he ducked out of our crew and cast watch on last sunday and he was building his table that's what he was talking about he's <laughs> yeah, like on the casting crew they're having a party and you were there i was there yes that's pretty awesome and i'd like to say even though i did work on the show i'm still just as lost and <laughs> things are still as much of a mystery to me as you guys um they didn't give us sides on the show you know, the protocol for stand-ins is, you know, you get to set, they give you sides right away, and you know exactly what's going on every day. I had no idea. I just had to play it by ear. They wouldn't tell anybody anything. But did you get, you got sides? No, we didn't. No, no sides. No, but as a stand-in, that's what you usually get when you arrive to a set. Right, so you got nothing. Nothing. It wasn't even sides with fake names. It's nothing. 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 Interesting. And then when the call sheets were sent out to just certain people, they had them numbered, and then they had to collect them at the end of the day. And as you guys probably read, Kyle was the only one who read the script. The whole, which was yeah. something like a, this 400-page document 400 is now what the legend is. Well, the only person in the cast, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, he is so fantastic in this. I cannot wait. I, I mean... Will it be this Emmys or the next Emmys because of the time? I think because the Emmy nominations are coming out soonish, I don't think Twin Peaks will be included in that. Right? Because it's a weird timing right now. I, yeah, I'm not... I, I, I don't know offhand. Yeah, I don't either. But well, it does It does make sense considering the very last thing that I was going on about uh, effusively before we went live was how it... Kyle McLaughlin, for all intents and purposes, now as we've seen in these four episodes, is basically playing four characters. He's got the Dale that is the Dale we know, which was yeah. what was in the lodge. Mm-hmm. He's got the Dale that comes out of the lodge and is essentially this newborn baby with, who's just <laughs> learning everything for the first time. You've got the Dale doppelganger who's been doing crimes for 25 years. <laughs> dirty and now, Dale. Yeah, dirty dirty Dale. Dale. And now you've got Dougie Jones. Dougie. And what... What is a Dougie Jones? What's happening? I think it's a dance move, I'm just going to say. And I really hope that uh, Kyle McLaughlin, you know, just comes up with it and we put it on air. But let's talk about Dougie Jones. And so as this entire thing happens, can you say it again? Garbosia? Garmin Bosia. Oh, and really quick, before we move away from the Wizard of Oz of it all, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until watching episode three today 
uh, which was, I think, my second time through it, his shoes fall off. And yes. I had this moment of, oh, okay, it's a Wizard of Oz connection, which hasn't occurred to me. But also, he loses his shoes traveling from one area to another through this this dark dimension that may be the Black Lodge. That it may be something ancillary. But also, Philip Gerard, the one-armed man mm-hmm. who Mike inhabited, was a shoe salesman. He was. I find that real interesting. Oh, shoe hmm. salesman. I actually... You might come out of the lodge and need some shoes. Your yeah. boy's got you. He did. He's there waiting for you, you know, get to get you some new shoes. Talking about someone that's very helpful, I would say, is Jade the prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> I wish all prostitutes could be like Jade. Were that patient she's and caring. She's like full service. She's like your Uber and <laughs> she's service. everything. She was so nice to poor Dougie. So I'm not going to lie to you. The first time I watched this, I thought that Dougie was Dirty Dale. I was thinking Dougie no. was Dirty Dale. I know. Well, and then the second time I was like, okay, never mind. Because he was with a hooker. Yeah, because it was just like a similar... <laughs> Wearing a wig. For me, his yeah. hair was too fluffy <laughs> to be... Yeah, he wasn't tan enough. Yeah, he wasn't tan enough. So he's like a totally different person. And we get introduced to him for the first time, which is very important because it's who Cooper ends up, in a way, you know, taking his place. But we see him. He's a realtor in Nevada. And he's having sex with a hooker. And he has the ring on, the owl ring. I loved that. Can we by talk the way. about it for a second? Because me and Lisa were texting last night, like weirdos, you know. <laughs> I was at the Magic Castle. I'm not supposed to be on my phone. My friend's thinking, Who are you texting? I was like, I am in David Lynch's brain right now. The Magic Castle in Los Angeles is a private, like, magician club, if you guys haven't been. And it's just David Lynch everywhere, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> but we were talking about, you know, this connection with the ring. And I think that Lex would probably give the most insight into the <laughs> ring. Yeah, put it on Lex. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, if you guys can see, if you're watching live, I do have my copy of The Secret History of Twin Peaks right here. Hello, here it is. Um, Very handsome hardcover volume came out a few months ago, was designed to tie into the new series. There's a second volume coming out in October, I want to say end of the month, uh, which is supposed to, I guess, close the book on this iteration of Peaks the way this, this book opened it. I'm rereading it. I'm only through the first section, and it goes all the way back to the expeditions of Lewis and Clark Mm -hmm. discovering the Pacific Northwest, which is, uh, we get a reference to that as well. Wally Brando. Much love to Wally Brando. We'll get to Wally Brando. I can't wait to talk about that. I have some thoughts, too. But, okay, so last week I talked about a couple of things that we had already gotten to that made my brain light up thinking about the book. And the big one, which comes up again in these two episodes, is... Hawk gets the message that there is something missing and it has to do with Cooper and the way he's going to find it has to do with his heritage. Now, per the book, The Secret History of Twin Peaks, Hawk is a descendant of the Nez Perce Indian tribe discovered by Lewis and Clark when they first got to this country and their chief, Twisted Hair, gives Lewis and Clark a number of artifacts and most of them they can't figure out what not only where they came from, but what even their purpose is, what they are. But one of the items in a small, uh, I believe a jade pouch, is that exact owl ring. They give it to Lewis and Clark, and they give it to them with the warning that it should never be taken out of its pouch. It should never be worn. But, per the book, Meriwether Lewis ends up at some, uh, some point putting the ring on, and things don't proceed spectacularly for him from there. We see in Fire Walk With Me, the ring seems to have something to do with either... I can't... Maybe you guys have theories about this, too. It's... I'm not sure if the ring protects you or targets you. Because it seems to save 
Laura in the end from being possessed by Bob. She's killed, but it seems to save her from being possessed. But Dale, time displaced Dale Cooper in the Black Lodge earlier in the movie, warns her not to take the ring. So this ring has got a very storied history. It's definitely mm-hmm. tied to this mythology in multiple ways, uh, but I'm not sure exactly if it's something you want near you or you want to avoid it at all costs. I, I would want to avoid, avoid it at all costs. It seems to drive people costs. crazy and kill them yeah, more often than anything else. Even Leland, you know, before he died, he said that Laura was strong enough to kind of make make Bob not possess her and go away and that she somehow had this other power that was just being strong that she wouldn't be possessed but the ring itself like she was possessed on and off especially in fire walk with me you'll see that and the ring is referenced a lot in fire walk with me chet desmond picks it up before he vanishes yeah and uh, who knows i'm hoping if we don't see chris isaac because he wasn't on that giant (laughs) cast list if we don't see him i really hope there's a nod the way we're getting nods to philip jeffries now big nods to philip jeffries i'm hoping we reference the fact that chet desmond vanished and he vanished in fire walk with me as soon as he touched that ring well dougie vanished too when he put the ring on Mm -hmm. what is up with and now okay so this little marble that appears (laughs) i thought it was a bell whatever it is right (laughs) like this little golden ball that apparently has to is is part of the creation of dougie this additional doppelganger that was created by someone for some purpose. Yes. And now that, that Dougie is and now that Dougie is gone and Dale has been tricked and is now out in the universe as a as Dougie. Uh, as Dougie, but also as this weird personalityless man-child with no experiences at all. Mm-hmm. One of them has to die, right? Correct. Presumably that means either him or Dark Dale. Yes. It kind of seems like all these people are like all maybe one side of Agent Dale Cooper. Like, they're all the little bitty sides. And I'm wondering, from just personally, I'm wondering if when Dark, if Darkdale gets sucked back in, if that's when Coop's going to be, like, a normal person again. See, I'm just waiting. I was so surprised that there's three, four-ish yeah. Dale Coopers. I think there's going to continue to be more. I was, I was thinking that, too. I would not be surprised if we see five or six of these dudes. I have this fantasy <laughs> where I want good Dale to fight bad Dale back into the lodge. But that's just me. Isn't that like an actor's dream to be able to fight yourself? I think that would be one of the coolest things. It'd be like the third act of Logan, but with Kyle (laughs) McLaughlin. Kyle's just so good. Like, I mean, who had this much depth? He's so I mean, of course he's deep, but you know what I'm saying. I I completely agree with you. We also, okay, so we have Dale as Dougie, and he's, you know, putting on his clothes like (laughs) a child. And he gets a vision of Mike, you know, the man with one arm, and he says to him that he's manufactured for a purpose, and that's been fulfilled. And like we said, he turns into this marble gold thing, this small ball. But it again, one of them has to die. So I'm not sure, though, how many of them there are. Mm-hmm. Right, it could be one of the thirty of you. There still are has to die. Yeah. Like I've, you know, I watch Orphan Black. Do that after show here. Big fan. Uh, there could be very many. Dale Coopers. You really are into doppelgangers. I do. I, I love, love it. it. I love well, it. After all these keep popping out of him, that makes me want to go back and look at Maddie a little differently, too. Because it's just like, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why would she just happen to be like her identical, like Patty Duke like style? Like, why? Like, if 
Like, come on. Maybe well, if it's if it's only her in that universe, I could pass it off as oh, he's just playing with tropes. But now that we're seeing other characters that mm-hmm. are the spitting image of each mm-hmm. other, it's like, all right, well, you're clearly even if you were only playing on tropes before, you're clearly building this into something. Yes, and there, I was it. A, I'm trying to remember if it was a moment at the beginning of this series, or pretty sure it was, or at the end of season two that Maddie said basically like, look out for Laura. She was worried about Laura, and she goes, "I'm her doppelganger." Uh, watch, I think it was at the end of two. I think it was the end of two. Okay. Was, I'm Maddie. Watch out for my yeah. cousin. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was nice. super confusing because what up? <laughs> you know, we just did it backwards, like David Lynch does. He just did that. You know, he they play it backwards, it. and then it's like slow motion, whatever. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But I compl- I'm so glad that you brought that up, because the whole Natty thing is still throwing me off real bad. I want to see another, another like, Cheryl Lee come out. Uh, another like, Laura in the Palmer. real world somewhere. Because mm-hmm. it's supposed to take place all over the country. So maybe somewhere but out there. But she's dead, though, right? So but she wouldn't that come. That doppelganger She's is. dead, yet she lives. Maddie. Maddie wasn't dead after Laura died. Well, Maddie, Leland killed Maddie, I thought. I know, but maybe there's another. Okay. A third or oh, something. Like a redhead yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, there needs to be a redhead. Guys, let one. us know what you think because. Yeah, what are they saying? In that here? is the funnest part <laughs> of all. They're like, of what are you guys this? talking about? Ileana Mansfield on here on the chat says, oh, yeah, I think that, <laughs> they, that this person, hi, agrees that there should be a redhead Laura. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. We also get a chance to go back to Twin Peaks, of course, and we see Lucy, Hawk, Andy, this entire thing going on, Laura Palmer case, and uh, Lucy is acting really bizarre. And she I is so cute. I, I get that she's always been weird, but this time <laughs> I'm thinking, uh, no. She's did, really did unnerved by cell phones. Yes. She's unnerved by a lot of things, and I don't quite understand it. I don't love what they've done with the character because I liked her before. I think Lucy's just stuck in 27 years ago. Yes. She's, the yeah. invention of tech, of new technologies just hasn't, you know, rung true with her. She doesn't understand <laughs> cell phones. She doesn't understand I mean, They've been around for a while. I mean, they tell her, they're like, you've but, been doing this Twin Peaks, over I th- and over. I think it's like Twin Peaks... It wants us to feel, they want us to feel like it's dated still. Like we can still go back to that time and feel like we have that nostalgia. All they got to do is start that music and I'm like, oh, Well, again, that interview we were talking about in Entertainment Weekly with David Lynch, he said Twin Peaks is kind of, the place is very important and specific and it's where it all starts. And I think that it's starting to affect people there and perhaps Lucy has in a way been living, you know that Drew Barrymore and uh, Adam Sandler movie? 51st yes. Dates? Yes. Yeah. Where he keeps, that ethically strange movie, where he keeps oh like duping this woman with amnesia. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know, I kind of got a vibe from that with Lucy. Like she kind of understands what's happening, wakes up every day and is confused. It is interesting that like you, you find so many towns in this country that seem like you've walked into a time portal just yeah. because they're mm-hmm. stuck years and years ago. But then on top of that, Twin Peaks and the mythology surrounding Twin Peaks is very much, I mean, we keep, we get it repeatedly in these episodes. Is it future or is it past? Time plays a big part in these stories and the woods around Twin Peaks are very, they've been saying it for 20 some odd years. They're full of this weird energy, this weird power. So if anyone was going to get stuck mentally in some capacity, 20 some odd years ago, it makes play, it makes sense. That is the place it would happen. 
I think she's just, where you say dim. I just think she's just like, you know, just kind of a... Kooky? But is it No, I think she's just kind of like a... Not all, you know, not totally all there. Well, she She repeats everything like ten times. Right. But she seems to do a lot of other people. I've just repeated myself three times. (laughs) (laughs) So does she have some smarts? I mean, is it true that indigenous people use chocolate as a gas reliever? I feel like that just makes you do it even more. Yeah. You know, lactose intolerance. <laughs> if it's milk chocolate, especially a milk chocolate bunny, okay, if you're lactose intolerant, you should, maybe, uh, you know, 100% cacao would be fine. <laughs> and the indigenous people, perhaps, were using that. I, I think what do you her, guys think? I think her and her husband are just made for each other. Her and Andy? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Punky just and like, Andy? Yeah, I feel like so they're both good on the at your same job level. in every other way. <laughs> I don't understand but he how cries this keeps every happening. time he shows up to any crime, crime scene. scene. I mean, he's as useless as she is. Oh, she's <laughs> oh, such no. a good receptionist. No, I love both of them. I love both of them. But look but at their I nice. Mean, they're both just kind of. But look alive. at their nice family photo you see when she's talking about the thermostats, where Michael Sarah's head is clearly weirdly warped onto a child's <laughs> body. It's so beautiful. Oh, I can't wait till we get to him. Can we get oh to him gosh. now? Oh, wait, okay. I'm trying to think because I was thinking it's not. This is not till the fourth episode. That's right? not till four. Yeah. Oh. If you if you freeze frame on the box of chocolate bunnies, whenever you see a close up, the tagline on the box says "ears in the making." <laughs> That's cute. Well, oh. again, I get that it's funny and whatever, but I think that there is definitely a meaning. Well, I to like the donut crazy. Donut the donut disturb. disturb. Yeah, that was just donut like disturb. that. Ears in the making. Donut disturb. Yes, we donut have donuts disturb. here. Yeah, they haven't been eaten yet. So, guys, feel free to reach through I feel like the le- screen and eat one. Yeah, right now they're totems for yeah. all of us. If yeah. David Lynch, you know, I think he's the only person that could really do that, just reach through and grab one. But <laughs> transcendental meditation can yeah. take you to all sorts of parallels. He's definitely welcome to do so. And I, I'm not sure what the bunny and the chocolate has to do with it, but again, I think it's something important that when we rewatch this, it yeah. will make sense. The only bunny connection immediately that's that I'm thinking of with Lynch is... Um, Mulholland, no, not Mulholland Drive, Inland Empire, mm-hmm. where you've got these weird interstitials where it's like a sitcom, but it's family, it's a family of anthropomorphized bunnies, but it looks like it's human actors in bunny suits doing doing some weird business with a laugh track over it. <laughs> Thank God for Lex, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of, I don't know what, Inland I don't know if that means Empire's anything. Inland Empire is a tough one for some people to watch. Yes, it's, uh, he, he intentionally shot it with not the greatest cameras that there are mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's about as aggressively alienatingly lynch as he gets alienating <laughs> so it's very it's like it's almost as your mileage may vary as a movie gets mm-hmm. next let's talk about this very odd scene we get with dr jacoby uh <laughs> with the shovels i did a lot of research into it because i was what the heck is happening I read that the clatter the shovels make while blowing in the breeze sounds a lot like the noise that that radio made in the first part when the giant told Cooper to listen to the sounds. Uh, By first part, I mean, you know, the original Twin Peaks, but something with the sound and that it was creating when he had this assembly line making the shovels, and I'm not sure what they are there for. Do you have any input? Lex. I got I got nothing. I'm just impressed bodies. with this hydraulic setup. Bodies, buried bodies. I don't know. I mean, shovels make me think of 
you know, Laura Palmer. Yeah, in the woods. <laughs> but you don't need you don't need to spray paint your shovels gold if all you've got to do is is either dispose of or dig up a body. So I'm thinking this looks like it's for something ceremonial. I almost wonder. I mean, we got a lot of in especially the early run of Twin Peaks episodes, a lot of things that were there as quirky touches that were also red herrings. Well, so this it's probably something. I'm sure we will see this paid off, but it's not necessarily yeah. something sinister. Doctor Jacoby was always a very like. Yeah, I'm not doing. I'm. The, I'm. He's, he's weird, but he's like. I'm just gonna wear my colored glasses and and, and get real a, stoned and keep a tape and a coconut. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I don't think he has. There's necessarily much to explain behind his actions. I think he's just a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of weirdos. Why would they show us him? Is my big question. Everyone really liked him. I think the fans have always been fascinated with him. And he's so in- intertwined with everything. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like. Everyone is revolving around Kyle McLaughlin. Like, he has this greater purpose. Because with the way he sees the casino, like, the the little red curtain, I feel like the world is kind of revolving around him. Well, not to mention, the key in his pocket was from the hotel. Yes. So, let's get into, (laughs) I'm going to say, Cooper slash fake Dougie and the Silver Mustang Casino. Loved this. I loved every second of the casino. So funny. And there were so many great actors that were kind of dropped in and out. tiny parts that just appeared for a couple of lines and then pieced. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense why there's 200 people that we saw, you know, on this list of great actors that are going to be on the show. Still very fun. So... After Jade drops him off the casino <laughs> with $5, yes. he gets those into coins and is asking for help. <laughs> it's just... Call for help. Yeah, call it's for so help. so cute. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a little sad. I thought it was so funny that no one in a casino would do anything other than give him change. And did you guys notice who the cashier was? Yes. Oh, my gosh. She's the lady from Pretty Little Liars with the, those eyes. Wait, but before that, I oh, mean, wait, Meg what? Foster is an iconic uh, character from They Live. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about uh, Mrs. Grundy? Yeah, uh, Mrs. Grim- Grinwall. Grim- Grimwall. Grimwall. Oh, yes. She was the um, the casino attendant. Mm-hmm. I did realize I recognized her. I did see her. And it was a small role, but at the same time, she, you know, are you? She was very worried about him, as were a lot of the other women. You know, women care about mm-hmm. these kind of things. Yeah, and, these, and, are, these are multiple sequences too, full of these great. Like we were talking about, great character actors doing little parts for just a few lines. We saw uh, David Dasmalchen, who was in The Dark Knight and Prisoners and mm-hmm. Ant-Man, was one of the, the... He was working at the casino in, I believe, episode four. John Ennis, who's got a big uh, career in comedy. I knew yes. him originally from Mr. Show with Bob and David, is the guy who... Cooper sees pull the slot machine and go hello and and win that jackpot that's where he takes that from if I'm not mistaken is that uh, I I think we see Brett Gelman at one point oh Brett Gelman is the one that is kind of running the casino with the bag yes and he's giving him the money and he's freaking out every time uh, Dougie slash Dale wins and wasn't I don't know this actor's name but wasn't the the gentleman who plays Eugene on Walking Dead was that not him with a slightly less of a punch at one point has a line I think right after he wins his first jackpot the guy that walks by and comments on it I didn't see that Mm, I didn't see it the first time I watched it it was just today watching it again I went is that that guy I don't know guys let us know in the comments because we all have different experiences and history with television and there's going to be a lot of these I think throughout the entire season huge cast in the middle of all that casino stuff too I love that they flat 
pitched back to the FBI being like, we don't know what this glass box is. These yes. people, and we got to see what ended up happening to them. We just see like all the scratching at they them. They took their heads off. Yeah. They were like hollow they, inside. They look kind of funky. Mm. And they also <laughs> see something interesting on the camera. Tam- Tammy does. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the extraterrestrial. Yes. Very extraterrestrial. <laughs> Trying to be polite here. And it's uh, at the end of part three, uh, Gordon gets a phone call that Cooper is in trouble. And they're like, what the hell? We've been looking for this guy for 25 years, literally. And uh, they're going to go to the South Dakota, the Black Hills, and they're going to figure it out. That is where we end with part three. Going on to part four. So we pick up again with Cooper slash Dougie at the casino. And he keeps on winning. And there's this awesome part with the old lady. And she just... <laughs> yeah, yeah like who her. wants nothing to do with him at first. And then sees he keeps winning mm-hmm. jackpot after jackpot. Mr. And then jackpot. Suddenly, yeah, suddenly she's Mr. Jackpot's best friend. Yeah. I loved that. And I just... I thought episode four for me was the perfect mix of comedy, goofy, and still hints <laughs> to what was going on. And for me, it was less dense. It, it made us understand things more, but in a way of a narrative that we like to see. That was my personal opinion. Uh, after that, so we again meet uh, Burns, Brett Gelman, who gives him all the money and then gives him a limo to go home to. He doesn't know where he lives, but because of the guy we met in the episode before, Bill. Uh, Ethan Suplee. Yes, Ethan Suplee. I want to touch on something there that sure. I think is really, really important. Okay, in the very, in the, in the first iteration of this show, the only way to get into the Black Lodge was to go to Glastonbury Grove. That mm-hmm. was like the entrance. And that, even they even talk about it in the show, that that is where King Arthur's buried. And Ethan Suppley, when he comes in, he tells Kyle McLaughlin, you live at Lancelot Court mm-hmm. near Merlin's Market. So you got Wizard of Oz. OMG. <laughs> yeah, you've got you some got Arthurian Arthur. mythology. Okay, keep going. So that, we, that's it. That's it. That's it. I, I, I think we need to be watching for more of these, you know, like Guinevere Lane. Well, <laughs> and you think that these people's parts that are famous, and why would they do such a small part? And I think that we will realize as the show goes on, they were a very important part, and they're giving very important pieces of this story to us. Like Dale doesn't get clearly whatever the rest of his journey is for these fourteen episodes that are left. Getting to this house was a big part of his journey. Without <laughs> without Ethan Suplee showing up door. and telling him about where the yeah. house is, he doesn't get there. Yeah, and I, I just love, you know, Nevada prostitutes are legal, and they're just everywhere. <laughs> I mean, even the woman with him, I think, who is a famous actress, I'm blanking on her name. You know the blonde, very pretty. Naomi Watts? No, 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 no. <laughs> His wife? No, 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 I'm talking about Oh, who's with, who's with, who's with Ethan Suplee? Yes. This was driving oh, me nuts. Right. I know her face. I didn't know, I know who she was. I know this actress works a bunch, but I could not place her name. If you're in the chat and you know this actress's name, please tell me, because it was driving me crazy, and yeah. I did not get a chance she to look a ton. I've been. I've seen a bunch of stuff she's been in because it's you know teenage stuff, and I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie, I watch that sometimes. <laughs> okay, so after they take him in the limo home, which was a very funny scene. Again, Kyle McLaughlin is just so <laughs> funny and great in all of this. And he's saying he doesn't know the address. Is Red Door? Red Door? Red Door? And the guy goes, like, oh. I can't really see him. It's pretty dark. 
I'm thinking, what if, like, how much that does that suck to have to take people home and have no idea where they're going? But he gets dropped off, and uh, he meets his wife, right? Ugh. We meet his wife. Is Ugh. it Janie? Mm-hmm. Yes. In the credits, it looks like Janie-E, so is it like Janie-E? Janie-E? I don't know I how you would pronounce that. they just play around with the E at the end, like on his license plate. Just yeah. Doug with the letter E. Doug E. Yeah. Okay, because she's credited as janie Yes. Oh, is she? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it has an E in it. So I, and it's, do you think it's Dougie? Like you said, Dougie, Dougie. They're just like e. corny, like. They're just it's silly. Their son's name is Sonny Jim. Sonny oh, uh, Jim, Sarah yeah. Patterson. Uh, yes, Patterson. That's the name of the blonde girl. Yes. Oh, that was with Ethan Supley? Yes. yes. Okay, that sounds right. So I'm going to accept that as fact without checking it myself. I, I, I know that's true. And, okay. oh, uh, oh, I also wanted to throw in, I'm pretty sure I can say this, but Rancho Rosa, yes. the neighborhood, that was what we were calling the production. Yes. Before, okay, you well, knew that's that. The, well, that's the production company's right. logo that right. flashes before the show starts. Right, but that was like, it was still a secret project and they didn't want anybody to call it Twin Peaks. Uh. Yeah. But now it's fun. In hindsight, if you happen to be working at offices where paperwork was coming through oh, and you happen to see oh, Rancho Rosa on some stuff, now you can be like, eBay. it was bad. Now yeah. you finally get it. But so we meet his wife and she is, had it, you know, she's had enough of him. I think she's pissed. She's thrilled <laughs> that he brings home thousands and thousands and thousands she, of it dollars. It changes the story for her. And why the heck was <laughs> she needing that money? Well, so she, we, obviously they don't explain it to us, but she says, this is enough money to pay off someone. Yeah. With this, we could, and trails off, so we could start over. We could do what? Who, okay. What is a Dougie Jones? Who is this person? Why is why is it not weirder to everybody that he's behaving this way, first of all? Um, but second of all, he's definitely in deep with the wrong types of people. We saw as he was leaving with Jade in the previous episode, people were there to kill him. Yeah, and only right. just, a tracker on his car. Yeah, and only just missed doing so. Who are these people, and is there a connection to the mysterious billionaire who owns that building in New York? Ooh, that's what well, someone that's... said in the chat. Who do you guys think owns that building? I think that has something to do with something. Wow, that's <laughs> deep, you guys. I mean, that's all the way in New York, in New York City. I, I, feel well, like, I feel like these... But the, is there a portal? You know, this whole parallel universe thing. I heard I heard one crazy theory that I think enough people have looked at like real minute details that have since debunked this. But one theory I heard was, did Cooper end up at the wrong spot in time? And somehow, is he the billionaire? Like, we get to that. That's our present, <gasps> right? No. But, but then, but then, no. but, that story, but that theory hinges on when he replaces Dougie, he's actually earlier in the timeline than we think he is. And there are enough minute details that people have found that seem to have debunked this. I think or everything is, there... is just revolving around them. Like, everything is keeping these people safe. Like, when mm-hmm. they put the tracker on the car... That woman, crazy woman, starts screaming one one nine, like another random series of numbers. I feel like just when they're around, like people just automatically like protect. Is it like Mercury in retrograde? Everyone's going crazy. And like, how did Darkdale not die after throwing up like black vomit in the car? Like, I mean, something is keeping these people alive. Well, I I also I also read that their the vomit is different. You know, uh, so Dougie's vomit didn't have a black thing through it, right? And Darktail's 
Dirty Dale, whatever. He's Dark Dale. God knows what we can call him <laughs> at this point. Mr. C. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. C. Mr. C. C. We also mm-hmm. see Denise, David Duchovny. I love oh, that. Shout out. Shout out. Guys, not only, not only is David Duchovny back as Denise Bryson, but running effectively the FBI, yeah. which is about the greatest thing. And it gave me maybe my single favorite, not just my favorite Gordon Cole moment, my favorite moment so far in this revival, and now one of my favorite bits of Twin Peaks that there is, was the moment where Cole is talking to Denise about how when you were undercover with the DEA and I was your boss, I had enough dirt on you to fill the Grand Canyon, but I didn't use a (laughs) teaspoon of it because you weren't our great agent. And when you, talks about when you made your transition, and your colleagues, those clown comics, told them to, to what was the she fix their hearts or die yes. it was amazing it was yeah, like yes it makes sense that Gordon Cole would be a staunch ally and I love him yeah. I, want, I want to hug Gordon and you it were- was like they were early on they was like shout out to him being like so cool with the whole tr- transgender thing you know back then it's a long time ago wow and again I think that's just a like a present culture reference yep and i i really enjoyed it i also think there was a couple things in that scene even though it was short that we can kind of pick apart there was red roses at one point in the scene Mm. and we know that the blue rose is uh something important but red roses i'm not sure but i think that we are going to see that character again denise and it's it's going to be important i hope i really hope that's not all the denise we get and if it if it is if it is, I know David Duchovny's a busy man. I feel like they they gave us a little bit that was as satisfying as it could yeah, possibly be. But oh, I would be I, fine I, with that. I, I I could live with it because it was so good. But I want more. I love how Denise was just kind of a little bit jealous of Tammy. Yes. Like, What's with Tammy, Gordon? Yeah, he's like, sorry, I don't know. And like, it seems like like maybe Gordon has a little bit of a reputation for he's got he's got a bit of a type. Yeah, he's like, girl mm-hmm. on his side. Did he's you see the, the way Tammy walks? Yeah, oh, she walks like a. Shout out to Krista Bell. She, if you guys don't know about Krista Bell, wow, you guys should look up some of her her music online. She's worked with David oh, awesome. Lynch. Her voice is like an angel. And since we're talking about Tammy Preston, a character that was introduced in the book. The book is laid out like a dossier, and it was put together by the archivist, whose identity is a mystery. But Tammy Preston has been tasked by Gordon Cole with unpacking this dossier and trying to piece together who the archivist is and what this might have to do with the investigation that Dale Cooper carried out 20-some-odd years prior. So running all through the book, you've got these annotations that are done by an agent TP, who you don't find out till the very end of the book is Tammy Preston. Ooh, I like that. The biggest thing I thought about Tammy was, why is there an FBI agent that is gets car sick? What like, do you mean? Of like, course. Wouldn't you think that they have to pass some kind, if they're like field officers? I don't know, Gordon can't hear. The road was flat. You know, they weren't in the mountains, were they? Well, I, I don't know. I, I would expect my saving FBI agent to be able to handle 55, That's 60 miles per hour. You know, everyone has their Achilles heel. What uh, I'm I sorry, like? What I really like in that driving scene, though, is how Gordon clearly wanted to see Mount Rushmore <laughs> and was placated when Albert hands him a photo. And, like, it Those wasn't even... stone faces. Yeah, it wasn't even... It was, there they are, Albert. Faces of stone. It wasn't even, like, the, the men who built our country. It's just like, yep. Faces of stone. You do a great David Lynch impression. <laughs> no, the best. The best is if you do. If you're one next time, you're all hanging out with your friends. You've kicked a few back. You're thinking about Twin Peaks and David Lynch. But just 
any rap song off the top of your head, speak the lyrics like a monologue as Gordon Cole, and you will amuse, if not your friends, certainly yourself, for at least 15 minutes. We'll call you Fair super lot. You yeah. gotta speak up a little bit when you do it. So, I want to hear you do it in Snoop Dogg's song. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about Wally already, but this is the episode that he does get introduced in. Yay. And he was odd, of course. Both of his parents are odd. We love him. <laughs> odd. But what did you guys think about this entire thing? He's giving condolences to Truman. And, it, and he was doing a Marlon Brando thing. Godfather. Yeah. I was a little bit, this is a great performance. It's a lot of fun to see Michael Sarah in this, but what does this mean? Well, he was born on the same day as Marlon Brando. Oh. They said that, what, Andy and Lucy were, like, real big on that point, and I want to say episode yeah, they two. Were. Yeah. And I, it, was, it was an amazing payoff to that, because it's one of those things you wouldn't think too much about Just until this like character shows one. up. Yes, and it makes so much sense that if you're Andy and Lucy's son, you probably grew up hearing that you grew, you were born on the same day as Marlon Brando his, over and over and over. And he was paying respects to his, his godfather. God. But the, my favorite thing was when he said, I know it's of grave concern. You guys were concerned about my childhood bedroom. <laughs> Such beautiful news, Wally. Yeah. Yes. And I just want you to know you guys can turn it into a study. And this is another reference we get in this scene, too, to the fact that Michael Ankeen's character, Harry S. Truman, mm -hmm. is not dead. He's not gone. He's, he's like, just, he's sick. sick. He's laid okay. up somewhere. Mm -hmm. it, and apparently it's not, it's not great, but he's still alive. We just don't see him. Uh, tidbit, did you guys know that Robert Forrester was originally cast? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he said no. Yeah. He didn't want it. Was it he I, did, I didn't know I didn't if it was a scheduled thing no. or he passed. He passed. Did he? No, he passed on it. Apparently. Oh, Bobby. Bobby boy. I don't well, like him. The big thing I got it from Michael Sarah is that is not your baby's daddy. No, it's not. I swear that is Dick Tremaine. You think he's son. Dick Tremaine's son? That is not Andy's son. I didn't the ever way think it that was Andy's son. Well, Andy's got he the call. I thought he adopted him. Mm, no, he just decided, decided to no, not. No, she said that it out. she was just going to pick the father without. Like and maybe none it of was 50 50. Yeah, and he got the call back from the office that tells him that. His sperms were okay. Oh, right, 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 right. I'm a I, whole damn town. Yeah. That's right. They did yeah. work and then they did work. And just yes. the way he talked so eloquently and smoothly. You know that didn't come from Lucy. You know that didn't come from <laughs> Andy. Probably didn't come from That Andy. came from Horn's Department Store Designer <laughs> Men's uh, Fashion. But he's so weird. So I feel like I he think is that's Andy Lucy. I so think actually, that's uh, fun trivia for you guys. I have a stepmother that is a soap opera actress. And she acted on One Life to Live with uh, Dick Tremaine's character. In Buchanan. Yeah. That she, my, my stepmother's name is Tanya Walker, now Davidson. And she was uh, Alex on One Life to Live. And cool. It, they had an entire affair. She was on it for like 12 years. It was insane. And they just had a lot of sex and sexy time. And as I was re-watching it, the season a few months ago, I realized that 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 was my stepmom's co-star for so many years. And I was talking to her about it the other day. It was a lot of fun. And now it's really cool that he, I don't know if he's going to be back on the show. Has he been confirmed? He's not on that big cast list, which again is one of several that I'm crossing my fingers and maybe they're holding it back. Not, that doesn't mean he can't All be right. the dad. So you guys think that there's going to be some cast members that come back that aren't on the list. I'm not I saying I, I think that. 
I would I would be a little surprised if there were, and that's exactly why I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I would love to see, uh, uh, you know, whether it's Heather Graham, Heather Graham. or whether it's yes. Ian Buchanan, or uh, just to, just to I know not I to not thoughts. to get in Audrey's way, never thoughts. to get in Audrey's way, but just I, I need I need to know how Annie is. We can't not Annie's address that. Annie's gonna be fine. Point. They said that in the season well, finale, season two. He kept. How's Annie? How's Annie? He <laughs> said Annie's no. gonna be fine. They told him that. They told him that. I want to talk a little bit about Sunny Jim and Sunny Jim. Uh, those moments. There was there was one moment specifically I found so funny, which was when uh, Dale slash Juggy was trying to pee, and it <laughs> yeah. was it reminded me of a moment from one of the best films of all time, The Hot Chick. If anyone has ever seen that, yeah, yeah, Rob, Rob, Schneider. Rob Schneider tries to pee and he doesn't know how because actually it's Rachel McAdams inside of like his. That's body. right. Yeah, yeah. It, it was Great so movie. funny. And again, his wife is like, "Just you're worse than Sunny Jim," like totally normal that this is happening. And Sunny Jim, thumb, thumbs up. Yes, there's a big thumbs up theme throughout this entire thing. What did you guys feel about this? Was it? There's people online that thought that Sunny Jim could be the giant. I don't think so. No. Do you think no. he was just created from like Dougie's sperm and he's like a real child? Or I is felt he like he was adopting. Okay. Yeah, he did look a little tan for the two of them. They're both very fair complexion. Yeah, yes. that's that kid's complexion. I feel like it's a tough question to answer because we have no we idea what about yeah. we don't know what Dougie no. is. I don't like no. Janie. Like J- Janie, Janie seems like, a, if nothing else, seems like a real person as we understand the concept. But Dougie <laughs> apparently, Dougie apparently wasn't. So if if Sunny Jim is their biological child, Dougie's not even real. So what does that make Sunny Jim? It does. It raises a whole bunch we of need questions. To see Dougie's uh, yearbook. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I got I got nothing. Mm. But but it could also be I like that the the child was the one the child who you could argue was maybe the purest character mm-hmm. in that in that little sphere that we're in when we see that scene given the thumbs up and I love that we're trying to get Dale back to Dale. The Dale Cooper who was our our pure our white hat protagonist who would do the the thumbs up as well and so I like that it was the the purity of the character and I like that that was him doing the thumbs up back at him. Yeah, and we we see that continue throughout this episode. We then go again to the FBI, and they go down to South Dakota to talk to Dale. It's clearly not Dale, right? Yeah, I wrote what Demon Dale. Dark Dale is acting real weird and robotic. Yeah, and why did his voice change? And did you notice he repeated himself twice? So many times, Mm -hmm. and it was at like octaves lower Mm -hmm. than his normal voice. It almost seemed... As though it was a computer or an alien, something was going on. And the thing is, is that before Dirty Dale got in that car accident, he was just normal. He was bad. Yeah, yeah, he was. But an he didn't sound strange, like that. No. And now, after that happened, we saw when he has his car accident. Not only does he vomit up the garmenbosia, mm-hmm. but we see the curtain. We see the curtain from the red room. So I read that as he knew he was about to be pulled back. I saw that as that was when he was maybe supposed to be pulled back. Well, and he was trying not to throw up. Right. Because he didn't want it to happen. And so maybe, and again, I can't say this is definitely true, but just speculating here, maybe he lost some of his, himself, his essence 
in that weird, gross vomit corn explosion <laughs> as he was supposed to be pulled back. Maybe it did succeed in getting some of him out of there. Mm. And so he's just a little bit like, I'm here, but yikes, guys. You, you know what vibe I got was like very replicant Blade Runner. Like when Rutger Hauer, I don't remember his, his name. Uh, and Blade Roy Batty. Yeah. Like when he was getting ready to just, you know, go out and it feels like Dirty Dale is like starting to go kaput soon. Yeah, I don't think he has any recollection of like what any of this is going on. I think he just started getting really sick in that car. And then once he crashed and threw up, he started acting totally different. I feel like he's not really in control of this, like the same brain isn't, it's like a different brain. Like maybe aliens are controlling him now. Right. But I don't feel like before that, he actually like knew it, like, like, any of the FBI agents. Well, that again takes us to the end of episode part four where the FBI agents are chatting after they meet mm-hmm. with Dale. And they realize, well, first of all, Albert has been acting like, you know, a little, like he's on his period a little bit. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> as Albert's, always. Albert's always act in some kind of way we have to we have to shout out uh, of course the late miguel yes, ferrer yes. who yes. was one of my personal favorite character actors uh and he he passed away but thankfully it seems like he was able to shoot the entire season before he passed away is what the word is and david lynch has talked about one of the very few things he will say is that that albert gordon relationship is fairly important throughout the course of this season um very, but it's like it's very early now. There's a certain, there's an additional poignancy, much like when you see Catherine Coulson as the log lady, a certain additional poignancy to every moment knowing that this performer is no longer with us. Yeah, and we we get them talking afterwards, and we find out that so, all right, who is it? So, Philip David Jeffries. Bowie, Philip yes. Jeffries is again being referenced, another Fire Walk With Me reference, and that he's involved in this entire thing. I, w- I think I've read something. I would just love to... How long is it ago since Bowie died? A little over a year? The the official war... Okay, so again, this is one of those where I'm like, <laughs> wouldn't it be just the single most amazing thing that's ever happened to humans if... The official word, though, is that Bowie did pass away before they were able to shoot anything with him. The intention did seem to be to include the character of Philip Jeffries, but it does sound like he he passed away before they were able to shoot. So they say, I'm hoping. Oh, man, I'm hoping. But Darkdale says he's been doing some work with Philip Jeffries. It's the second time in a couple of episodes we've heard Philip Jeffries reference, but we also saw in episode two the person he was talking to who he thought was Philip Jeffries suddenly he realizes you're maybe not who am i talking to so maybe he was working with philip maybe he only thought he was yes and you know we see that the fbi aka just gordon albert are finally catching on to what is kind of happening that something is not right that this is not cooper that something's wrong with I like Dale. that people are getting sick around him well i don't yeah. like it but i mean i i find that really interesting that people Ever since he hawked up that junk, mm-hmm. they're they're getting sick. But I want to know what's happening to them. Yeah, I mean, I'd be Maybe curious too, and I think that that <laughs> might be part of what is happening to Albert potentially. We did get that line, and I'm hoping because I don't want to see anything bad happen to Albert. But we got that line where Tammy asks him, "Like, are you feeling okay?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, I'm fine." I'm hoping he was just shaken up by the encounter because, hmm. like, my soul, Miguel Ferrer's already gone. You guys, like, if anything happens to Albert, I don't think Malar can take it. No. Oh. 
That's very well, sad. Well, a lot of actors like having a good going out with a bank. Which scene. is true. If it happens, I hope I hope <laughs> he was thrilled that day on set. I do, too. And as uh, Albert and Gordon are talking, they're saying that there's one person that can talk to Cooper to figure out what's really happening. And we don't know who that is, but, you know, then we're taken to the bar. It's who do y'all think it is? Bar. It's a short, I figure, because we cut to the roadhouse. Should we ask the log? Should we yeah. ask the log? I think we might, <laughs> maybe the log might know. Does what the log you, know? Log, can you give us some Twin Peaks spoilers? What, what does the log tell you about? I hope that log oh, didn't want, sign the NDA. Oh, you want me to yeah, yeah, Oh, my start. gosh, wow. Predictions. I don't know. I think who hangs out at the Bang Bang? All the old cast used to hang out there. Mm-hmm. It could be anybody. Oh, okay, come on. I think that it might be Shelly. Uh, Shelly's supposed to have a really big part. I Well, she will. She will. We saw her briefly, but okay. Give it, give Does it the log make you right. feel any kind of certain way? I have... What's that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, I know, bro. Thank you. That's really nice. <laughs> no, you are. Okay, so um, I have a couple of thoughts, but the most obvious one to me would seem to be, and the most maybe fan servicey, quick answer would be, well, we haven't seen Audrey Horn yet. We know Audrey Horn has got some a significant part to play in this series, so I think now might be an appropriate time to bring her in because we don't know what she's been doing for twenty five years. I can't wait to find we out. don't know because especially because of how much so much of the audience wanted to see those two characters together. We don't know what Frost and Lynch decided happened with them right before this dark doppelganger of Dale left town. That would be number one on my list, which is a couple names long, but that would be the first thought I I don't need the law because I'm just on I'm on your train with Audrey. Audrey. I am on the Audrey train. Audrey though is like way too fancy to be hanging out at the Bang Bang Bar. She was. (laughs) She was, but we don't know. We don't know what the last And her dad is still in control of the company, so maybe she's just bumming around Twin Peaks. Well on that point let's get into some news and gossip because we have some fun things to talk about, right? After Buzz TV News. Okay, so there's been some awesome articles we've all read in the past week that we've talked about. Uh, I'm going to let Lisa take the reins on those. There's an NDA article that we want to talk about a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, we touched upon it, and um, some of the cast members were interviewed at um, their premiere, and they said that they couldn't reveal anything, and just like we talked about how Kyle got to read most of the script, but the other cast members were like, I have no idea what's going on, I'm coming in to play my part. And we probably are not going to be able to talk to many of them because of that. That's true. That's true. I think we're going to try to get a few people who weren't main cast members. I'm going to tap into them and see what's going on with those guys. I'm going to tap into that. Yeah. All right, Michael, we have some stuff from you too, right? Uh, I was really, really, really into the Joan Chen letter. Yeah. That was... Oh my gosh, do we have that around anywhere, the Joan Chin letter? Well, we can look it up. It is very fascinating. I wouldn't be surprised if David Lynch got that letter and <laughs> thought, huh, okay. It's, well, why not? Basically, Joan Chin, you know, chose you. Yeah, we were talking about Judy earlier. Yeah, Joan <laughs> Chin well, wrote a she letter was, to David Lynch. She was, Lex can explain how she was. An, uh, the knob of the a dresser. I, I can't explain how. I can explain <laughs> that. Apparently, uh, when Josie Packard died uh, of, of fear, was somehow connected to the appearance of Bob, somehow connected to the Black Lodge mythology, her soul became trapped in a, in a dresser drawer doorknob uh, in a <laughs> yeah. dresser in a room at the Great Northern Hotel. 
Correct. So the letter that she wrote to David Lynch, well, I mean, she was written out of the show. She wanted to be written out of the show, so they created her as the knob. So her letter was her saying that she wanted to come back as a person and experience herself as a person but again. as Judy. Right. She's J- Judy's twin sister or something like that. Uh, Do we you, find the letter? Yeah, we yeah. did. You guys want yeah, like a dramatic read it, reading? Please. Dear David, I write to you from the wooden drawer knob in which I have been trapped for the past two decades. You haven't heard this, have you? I haven't. Yearning restlessly for an escape. I hear voices whispering the rumor of a return to my body, and I implore you, O creator, to let me come back. It seems that the possibility of who I shall become are as infinite as your fecund... Fecund? Fecund? Imagination. From my obliettes... Within the chest of drawers, <laughs> I can sometimes see bodies fumbling, sweating, and convulsing with lust, and I long for my physical form. She's watching people have sex from the knob. Once strong <laughs> in life, now old and shriveled, or perhaps plump and fertile with age, like a rose hip to a rose. There's the rose reference. Maybe she did know something. Oftentimes, I think of Judy, my twin sister. I imagine her wandering drunkenly into the room, holding the drawers which imprison me, <laughs> incinerating suddenly due to the sheer volume and flammability of the alcohol in her veins. <laughs> in my mind's eye, I see her burning. I admit the bright color of the flame spreading to the drawers, the air breathing back the energy that was once her spirit. We could inhabit one body together, just as we had done as... Mere cells in our mother's womb. Once again, our two souls could crowd one vessel, forcing us to struggle for domination, for space, for existence. Josie, I see your face, and this time, finally, it could be mine, or could it, as my being invades Judy's body like a parasite. It keeps going. Okay. Whoa. Well, it's like a really, really that, long... That's a great That's a great start to that. So, guys, check it out online. And With lastly... Well I, well, I will say this. We did see after Josie ends up in this doorknob, a few episodes later, there's a scene in the back part of season two of Twin Peaks where Pete is in the lobby of the Great Northern. And he's looking at... I believe he's looking at a painting. And it seems like he gets pulled away to do something else, but he thinks he sees Josie in it. He just, he says, I think he says her name, and he, like, waves goodbye to it. So that little tiny moment indicates that, I guess, yeah, her spirit's still wandering around there. You could, at any point, pluck Josie back into the real world the same way we plucked Cooper. I don't Cooper. think it's going to happen. Mm, I don't think they well, it's it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen this time, certainly. I think they they were done well before this letter was written, certainly yeah. read. But Kyle oh, yeah. McLaughlin also seems optimistic that maybe this won't, this won't in fact, be the end. We'll see. Well, on that note, let's get into some predictions very quickly before we end. Your After Buzz TV prediction. We're going to do it ourselves. All right. Starting with you, Lisa. Like I said, I really think that Good Dale is going to meet Dirty Dale, and there's going to be some head-to-head feud. Awesome. I'd like to see that. God, I have so many predictions. <laughs> I'm just, like, looking through these. I think my biggest thing that I've just had to be in my bonnet about tonight is... 
I think that Michael Sarah's dad is Dick Tremaine from mm-hmm. Horns Men's Designer Fashion. Yes, <laughs> Horns Men's Designer Fashion. Fair okay, enough. so I'll do I'll do mine really quick, and mine has to do with one thing that we didn't hit on in our recap, which is Deputy Bobby Briggs. Uh, yes, I want to know how that happened, but my focus is on his reference to Cooper being the last person That's, to see his dad, mm. Major Briggs, a lot. This is something. That is touched upon in the end of the book. Secret Why are you reading Days. my brain? So, <laughs> I, my hope based on that is we're going to start exploring more ties to the book. We're going to start exploring Major Briggs's role in everything that's been going on. What maybe happened at that meeting was Cooper presumably responsible somehow for the death of Major Briggs. But how does all of that tie together? I'm looking forward to seeing more mythology. Like deep cuts from oh, the yeah. book being part of the story. Absolutely. Very excited. I'm also looking forward to, you know, more Bobby, hopefully more Shelly, all these older characters coming back in. And I definitely think that the reference that he was the last person that saw his father is a huge mm-hmm. Easter egg for us. And it's and he you know what, Bobby just seems a little bit like out of sorts, I, I will just say. And I I love everything that's happening and I continue to think that Audrey also is going to come back. Oh, yes. And it's going to be a lot of fun stuff. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We love chatting with you about this show. Continue to chat with us throughout the week. One more time, where can we find you on social media? You can find me everywhere at Lisa Mason Lee. You can catch me at Michael X Shirley. I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael. And you guys can find me, Sam Davidson, at samdavidsonentertainment.com and on Twitter and Instagram at samd43. And we will see you next week. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Hello! Views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 